Dismissed for Public. Today I'm speaking with John Greenwald, founder of The Black Vault, an organization that files a myriad of FOIA requests on government projects servicing various documents for public access. So while headlines regarding UFOs may seem shocking to some, Greenwald has tremendous insight on the topic given he's researched UFOs since he was only 15. Though the subject has a tendency to be deemed conspiratorial, Greenwald provides an evidence-based analysis of current events pertaining to UFOs. We discuss how accessing information on UFO research has become increasingly challenging and touch on how to maintain a critical and measured perspective as we're all inundated with more and more news around the concept of UFOs. How did you get interested in this research and doing what you do with the Black Vault? Like, what inspired you to begin it? Yeah, it's um, not a story based on any experience. Uh, I I was just morbidly curious way back when I was 15 years old. And at the time, the Internet, because I'm old now, is a a much different uh, beast now than it was then. And... Even at that time, I was looking up government secrets, primarily UFOs, and was fascinated by it. And I had come across this four-page government document on UFOs and uh, read through it. And I'm like, there's no way that the government is releasing this thing because it really just displayed this UFO case that was a little unbelievable that the government was admitting this. Because, again, this was a government that denied that they had any interest in UFOs and nothing alien-related, this, that, and the other thing. But this was clearly a case that had no explanation, happened in 1976 over Iran. And this four-page document that was posted on the Internet, uh, essentially the website said, if you don't believe the legitimacy or the authenticity of this document, you can request it under this thing called the Freedom of Information Act. And I had no idea uh, what that was. Uh, when it came to the law, but it was essentially free for me to do this. Uh, And there was no age requirement. So as a 15-year-old kid, I typed up a Freedom of Information Act request, sent it off to the DIA, and sure enough, got this four-page document. It was real. It depicted, like I said, a case that couldn't be explained even to this day in 2023. There's real no viable explanation for it. And I was hooked after that. I, I mean, that that then spawned what you see today, now nearly 27 years later, on theblackvault.com, where I take everything that I get from the government, not just on UFOs, but all sorts of stuff, and put it online. And it's all free, no registration required, because I believed, as I did when I was 15, if, if people want to see this information, then it should be free. And so that's what I did. I just created the archive and now 3.2 million pages later, uh, here I am and uh, never have looked back. I'll probably die doing this thing. But that's how I got started. And it's something that has hooked me since day one and hasn't gone away. That's awesome. Definitely very helpful releasing all of the documents. And it's really interesting because there's so many fascinating tidbits in here that, you know, can easily be written off as conspiratorial. And it's interesting in the in the wider environment today, you know, there's a lot of skepticism around UFOs, but the, the documents that you've been able to surface are very compelling. And I'm curious for maybe those who are more skeptical as to, you know, the, the nature of UFOs or UAPs, if you could maybe make a, a good case for why people should be interested and why they should care about these documents and not be writing them off. Sure. So... I'll quickly preface the answer with kind of the setup prior to a few years ago, uh, namely 2017, when this whole thing just kind of really exploded in public conversation. 
And why I want to preface it that way is that the government has long, for decades long, denied any interest in UFOs and the fact that there was nothing to it. And from 1947 to 1969, they investigated over 12,000 cases, came up that it was not a threat to national security, no evidence to aliens, uh, don't bother us, we don't have an interest in it. So when I got into researching it in 1996, that was essentially the stance of the U.S. government. And to put what what took year, many years of piecing together puzzles, um, but to kind of nutshell that very quickly, you start realizing that even though they were saying that and held that position for decades, behind the scenes, it was a completely different story. A lot of the UFO information was held at a top secret level, secret or top secret level, meaning it was it was held at the highest levels of secrecy throughout numerous intelligence agencies and military branches. If you listen to what they had tried to make us believe, it was 1969 where they had no interest. Yet the evidence said something different. That evidence stated that they stayed interested in this phenomena, these phenomena, I use plural because I think there's different facets of it, but like their, their, their interest in it remained. And on top of that, that information continued to be collected by the CIA, by the NSA, with intelligence all over the world. And even though a lot of it is redacted and still considered top secret to this day, even stuff 30 years ago, you can start to gleam from the stuff that isn't redacted that there have been cases of technology that they, they just, number one, can't explain. Number two, it's unidentified to them. It's not a secret program or anything like that. And that is something that they have held very, very tightly. And so for years, I would, I would kind of look at that and go, look, this is, this is evidence. And it wasn't one or two pages. It wasn't even a couple hundred. But you're talking about thousands of pages that deal with intelligence all over the world that you can get through the Freedom of Information Act. So I always, always would say this through the years. If you can read this and it's not redacted, what is redacted? What is all this other stuff that they deny and that they won't give it to you and this and that? So if the stuff that, that they will release is impressive enough for people that care to take the time to look at it, if it's that interesting, then what is it that they're really hiding? And I think that we really have to put together the dots that whatever that is underneath the black, in some cases, may be something pretty extraordinary. And so now fast forward to 2017, all of a sudden, all that changes. Now, all of a sudden, you... FOs turn into UAP. They try and change the, the acronym. I'm not, you know, you, we can argue to death on exactly why they were trying to do that. But regardless, it kind of shifts the conversation a little bit. Now we're talking about it. But the secrecy, despite what some people believe, is actually getting worse. It's clamping down, even though we're, we're having this conversation. And there's, I don't know how much you want to deal with it uh, time-wise, but I can cite numerous examples to show that the U.S. military, even though they're, they're talking about UFOs now, they have a tighter grasp on the information. There is more outs for them to say, sorry, John, we can't give you anything under the Freedom of Information Act because it's classified. That has gotten worse. And that just, again, begs the question of why, if we are dealing with foreign spy technology, our own platforms, a combination of all of that, that's all fine. And yes, that is going to encroach on some classified territory. Absolutely. But for them to just in toto, the entire lot, 
say, we will not give you a single anything when it comes to UAP photos or videos, except the select few that they've released through these hearings. Uh, and that is one of the cases that I filed and lost. They say 100% it's class, but they will not show you photos or videos of anything, though they admittedly have a lot of them. So what are they hiding? You know, and, and that I think is really what drives me to kind of keep pushing because we don't, we don't know if this was easily explainable and you did have that small part that encroached on classified territory. I think the answers would be a lot different. I really do. Uh, but the fact that they are this secretive about it, that tells me that there's much more to the story here. Yeah, that's really interesting because the reason that we wanted to talk with you was particularly, obviously, we're very interested in the growing culture of censorship that's kind of, you know, spreading around the globe. And we were curious, you know, to understand how this is impacting UFO, UAP research. I would actually be curious if you can get, shed some light on your perspective regarding that change in terminology. But then also, do you, are there any particular theories? I'm sure... You seem to be very, uh, you, you follow the document trail, but I'm sure that you've encountered some theories regarding UFOs and UAPs. And I'm curious if this move for increased censorship or making these documents more difficult to attain emboldens any particular theory. And, you know, just, just want to unpack that a little bit. Sure. I'll deal with the acronym part first. To be honest with you, I don't think the government even knows why they changed the acronym. And the reason why I say that is they stated that they borrowed the term from the United Kingdom, I think was one of their, their paraphrased statements that they gave out. But the reality is unidentified aerial phenomena, or now they're calling it unidentified anomalous phenomena. Uh, the first one actually roots back to the 1950s, so that it's nothing new. I mean, they've used that phraseology for decades and decades. So again, I, I, again, it kind of shows that the government, I, I don't even think, realizes why they changed it. Um, I believe some will hold on to the thought that they want to change the stigma around it. So when you hear UFOs, you automatically think flying saucers, little green men, and pop culture takes over. So if they changed the phraseology and changed how people were referencing it, maybe that would destigmatize it and allow more people to come over. But let's face it. The stigma is always going to be there around this talk, topic to some point. I do believe that it's lessened a little bit, but I don't think that that's due to the acronym change. So, you know, to me, it's silly. They're UFOs. Just call them UFOs. They're unidentified. They're flying. They're in the air. They're objects of some kind. Come on. You know, I mean, to try and rebrand that, we're not talking about a, a corporate conglomerate here trying to market a product. I mean, it, it's at least I hope not. I mean, maybe we can argue that it <laughs> is, but uh, regardless, you know, why, why that, that change, I think it's silly. I, I, I use UAP as, as just the more proper official term, but regardless to me, they will always be UFOs. And I, and I think they are going to be connected until the end of time. When it comes to the change of secrecy, does that, uh, I think you would ask, does it embolden any specific theory? I wouldn't say that it really emboldens any specific theory, but what I would say is that it definitely lends credence to the fact that we are not being told the whole truth. Because I think that if we really fall down and say, okay, the government is telling us the truth, full stop, period, then things would be a lot different. The secrecy would not be as bad as it is. And yet here we are with the secrecy being clamped down. And this is where I get a lot of hate mail from those that are really into the UFO topic they don't like me saying that because they believe that we are on this pathway 
to what is called disclosure, that the government is slowly massaging the public to accept a alien reality. And I'm not on that train. But to further that note, uh, the the legal part of this, so I use the Freedom of Information Act, which for anybody taking notes, U.S. Code, Chapter 5, Section 552, that's what I use to utilize, um, or excuse me, that's what I utilize to access this information. From that standpoint, it is getting worse. I also use what's called mandatory declassification reviews. That's another uh, statute that you can call on. That is getting worse. So we're not on a path to disclosure of any kind. Others take hope that Congress is now talking about it and that secrecy will lift. The problem is, is that Congress gets stonewalled just like the general public. And there are Congress men and women who have utilized the FOIA while in office. Why? Because it's a powerful tool. My whole point being just because Congress men and Congress women are talking about this and advocating for transparency, that's not going to automatically lift the shroud of secrecy over all of this and go, well, Congressman so-and-so asked for it. We got to give it to him. Uh, sadly, that's not how it works. And even outside the UFO arena, we see that all the time. That's where I think the root of the hate mail comes in as I look at this from a historical perspective that, again, even going back to the 1960s, then Congressman Gerald Ford, later President Gerald Ford, was advocating for the exact same thing at that time that some of the congressmen that we hear about today are advocating for. More transparency. These objects pose a threat. Uh, we need more, more attention, scientific scrutiny, this, that, and the other thing. So it really echoes the 1960s, and you can drill into that and realize that the way things are unfolding are nearly identical to how they did in the mid-1960s, to how it all ended in the late 1960s with the closure of their investigation. And those politicians that were advocating for transparency, the government as a whole, their answer to that was to convene a scientific panel to look at available UFO evidence and come to a conclusion. And their conclusion was no threat to national security, no indicator of alien life. Let's shut the book, both literally and figuratively. Project Blue Book was closed as a resu result of that study. So my whole point being, we are repeating history at this point. And that's kind of frightening because even though people are so excited, we're talking about UFOs, every step of the way has been identical to the mid 19 uh, 60s to the late 1960s. So if every step is identical, now we're at that scientific uh, stage where a group comes together and starts looking at the evidence. We see that with NASA. And what are they saying? Th that they don't have enough data, but the data that they have, there's nothing to indicate aliens or anything like that. And on top of, the, on top of it, there's really kind of no strong evidence for them to sit down and say, we need to continue doing this. Now, I will bring up one panelist, Mike Gold, uh, who I think kind of shined through a little bit in this. I was a, kind of a big fan of his that day. Uh, he had recommended that NASA create a permanent office, and I would support that. I think that they should. But will NASA? I'm not sure. All of that will continue to play out. So, again, that's where we're, we're at in this stage of, of, uh, of today's UFO conversation. But I keep going back to the fact that secrecy is tightening. And why is that? If we are in a new level of, of transparency that some UFO believers want to believe that we are in, then why is that the case? And going back to the political arena, 
that U.S. code that I use under the Freedom of Information Act, those exemptions are largely called upon, even when dealing with Congress, to keep information behind closed doors. So now we're seeing some classified hearings. That's all great. But that still does nothing for society. You know, the congressmen, congresswomen, they're going into these things. They learn all the classified stuff. They come out. They're not telling us what was revealed in there. Then they have a UFO hearing for the public that coincided with the, the classified one. That sounds great. But if you watched the last one, there were only two senators that showed up from the committee. There was a third that walked in, asked one question, that walked out. What does that show you? There's not a whole lot of interest in the public-facing aspect of this, and that's concerning to me. That makes a lot of sense. I'm curious when a lot of the time when you're talking about government secrecy surrounding UFOs, people usually generalize like the holistic government is behind this. But when you're filing your various Freedom of Information Act requests, and it's interesting, right, because you've seen even figures like Obama go back and forth on like, yes, UFOs do exist. And never mind, I can't talk about that. So I'm curious if maybe you have any speculations as to why that occurs. And then also who in the government, like when you're making these requests, who are you making the requests to? What specific agencies seem to have the knowledge surrounding UFOs? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question because often the government, you know, quote unquote, the government is this big entity. Uh, but you're absolutely right. There are different facets and corners and niches that that you can target through the FOIA. To speak directly to your question, uh, what you do is you literally deal with all of them to try and unravel these, these various topics. And specifically to UFOs, that's what I did. You do what I call blanket requests seeking out UFO, UAP-related information. But we know by now the open, more transparent conversation. We know that the Department of Defense is obviously heavily involved with their task force, that has now been renamed a couple, a couple of times. We know the U.S. Navy was heavily involved because they were speaking to the UA, UFO and UAP topic for the last few years. Uh, one of the bigger stories that I had broken, I think it was back in 2021, uh, it was, was getting the Navy on the record to address the leaked videos that everybody was seeing in the media for a couple of years. Uh, but they finally labeled them unidentified aerial phenomena. And that was a big deal. Nowadays, it's just like, well, who cares? But back then, that was the only military branch that was speaking to the topic. And for them to say, this leaked material is something we depict as unidentified aerial phenomena, that was a huge deal at the time. And it was a story that went uh, viral and, and rightfully so. But with that said, we knew the Navy was heavily involved. So that's another big target for unraveling, again, the last four or five years with their involvement looking into UAP and how that progression of, of looking into the topic and these phenomena led to what, what is now Arrow. And Arrow, which their documents are going to be controlled by OSD uh, or more easily said the DOD, but the Office of the Secretary of Defense, we, we filed to there to kind of access Arrow's information. But something very interesting happened in the last week and a half. And I wrote an article about this. And it's essentially a brand new way that I have yet to see in 27 years of doing this, where they are blanket denying all UAP related information as it connects to Arrow under what's called exemption B7. 
Now, B7 is essentially, again, to try and nutshell it, because there's a lot of, of legal verbiage here, but uh, the nutshell explanation is stuff that's related to a law enforcement investigation, key being law enforcement investigation. And what I'm trying to get clarity from the Pentagon on is do they consider Arrow now a a law enforcement investigation? Because if true, that means they are exempting all UAP-related information under that exemption. And if that's true, as long as Arrow exists, they can now deny 100% of anything connected to that office when we file Freedom of Information Act requests. And that is new. I have received Arrow-related material in the past. Uh, however, the material that there were three denials that came about a week ago, one of which was for a specific UAP case, and they said everything was exempted not only because of B7, but also national security reasons. It was classified. So that second, the classification, that, that makes sense. Uh, and, and that I have run into with UFO, so that's not out of the ordinary. Now, if it was just that case, I would not be bringing this up to you. But two other ones were denied as well, one of which dealt with interviews that were conducted by Arrow, interviews of people that had experiences decades ago in the 1960s, namely Robert Salas, who uh, was at a nuclear uh, missile silo uh, base where UFOs appeared, and he's been around the UFO field for quite some time, and it was publicly known that he was interviewed by Arrow. That was denied under Exemption B-7. And uh, and then there was a third request, I believe it was for, for uh, emails. I'll have to double check that really quick. But uh, regardless, there were three unrelated requests, but the only common denominator was that it was about UAP in relation to Arrow. And they denied all three of them using the B7 exemption. And that doesn't make sense. So I know that gets into some boring legal jargon, but the bottom line is, is if they have made an internal change and they are now stating that anything Arrow is doing is in, involved, a, in, involved in a law enforcement investigation, that's really bad news when it comes to transparency on this issue. That's really interesting. So do you think, I know you can only speculate and I, this might not necessarily embolden any specific theories, but what reasons, if any, can you imagine they would have for hiding this information? Well, that, I wish I had a good answer for you. Um, but I think that it goes back to why stuff like this really strengthens my curiosity you know, and, and, mm -hmm. and I say that because if what they are saying is true and what they want us to believe that there's really kind of no evidence for any type of otherworldly anything and we, we feel that we can explain most things and we just need data on some of the other things, uh, then these types of things wouldn't happen. But on the contrary, it seems like they don't want us to know anything when it comes to, to, to UAP. So you know, it's not that I'm dodging your question. There's just really kind of no good answer for it yet, simply because we just don't know. It 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 does make you scratch your head, though, because uh, if if they if they want to keep this level of secrecy, we have to start asking why. We have to stop being excited that they're talking about UFOs, because at this point, it's well established they don't want to they don't want to give us anything, and to be stonewalled using national security 
reasons and classification reasons, now law enforcement uh, reasons, because I was filing appeals on those other stonewalled attempts to 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 keep me from accessing that information. So I'm filing these appeals. When you start to get into B7 and the exemption that they're using now, I'll be honest with you, from my vantage point, I'm not an attorney, but I've been around the block long enough to kind of know some of the legal ins and outs. B7 is a much harder argument. And and it's just simply comes down to the definition of what a law enforcement investigation is. And you really kind of can't argue it. And, and the reason I say that is if they feel that they are doing a law enforcement investigation and that's how they determine it, well, the law is set at that point and, and exemption B7 stand, will stand strong. And I don't think that I can beat that door down uh, from a legal standpoint. So it, it gets challenging. So I, I don't have an answer to your question, but it should strengthen all of our curiosity a little bit about why they're doing this. Why are they saying one thing, but absolutely doing another? I'm curious if in your experience, I know, you, of course, you haven't read every single document, but it's interesting because you brought up how almost events are repeating themselves. And in the past, there were discussions regarding, oh, do these UFOs pose a threat or do they not pose a threat? Recently in the mainstream media, there's been a couple interviews where people kind of throw around the, the threat language. And I'm curious, I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Carol Rosen at all. She worked in rocket science with Dr. Werner von Braun. And she claimed in 2001 that she outlined, oh, there's going to be conflict with Russia. And then she calls the, the UFO card, the final card, um, and, and says it's essentially a move to accept the militarization of space and, and argues that UFOs aren't actually UFOs. It's, it's just advanced human technology. Do you think that there's, not to have that as a leading question, just more so in your experience, I'm, I'm curious, how often are these things framed as a threat? And could there be any information that sustains that sort of claim? Because she made that claim in 2001. So it's just interesting to see in 2023 how events are panning out in that regard. Yeah. And, and it's a great, yeah, it's a great angle to explore. I, I don't know a whole lot about, I, I know who she is. I remember her testimony at an event in the Washington DC area around the time with the disclosure project. Um, but to kind of speak it more broadly on the threat narrative, that threat narrative has been around a very long time. And in my opinion, rightfully so. We have these mysterious objects, whomever made them, in sensitive military installations. And I, I think that that is something to to explore. You know, it doesn't matter if they're alien or not, uh, but the threat potential is absolutely there when these things can seemingly encroach into nuclear weapon storage areas. And I've got DOD documents to support that uh, over sensitive military installations over the decades. There's documents to support that. All of those cases still remain unidentified to this day. So the threat potential is absolutely real. It's absolutely there and absolutely should be explored. And pre-2017, that was always one of my bigger points, was that why could you say at a press statement, uh, in a press statement or at a press podium, hey, we got no evidence UFOs pose a threat or anything like that, yet there were reams of evidence stating otherwise. Now you fast forward to today, that's changed a little bit, but that brings up an even bigger question mark for me on how you can utilize the UAP conversation and even the threat narrative to your, meaning the D Department of Defense's advantage. 
as we are trying to essentially militarize space and have for quite some time, as we are branching out our classified technology platforms throughout different um, uh, arenas, essentially in air, underwater, and in space. We're doing all of that. We know that for a fact. So does that connect to these phenomena that we are talking about? So that's where the conversation gets interesting. I call it, and there's a little speculation in here, obviously, so I want to stress that that up front, but it's what I call the counterintelligence value to the UAP conversation. And essentially what I mean by it is that you can utilize the conversation about unknown objects, and now the government is openly talking about it, but look at the result, the clamping down, the, the clamping down on secrecy, which I've already gone over, on numerous levels. So now they can keep a tight lid on this, that six, seven, eight years ago, was less and, and and you know that is that is provable so they're clamping down in that way but then on top of that what can you do in the process and what you can do in the process is hide the true unknowns that we know are there from a historical perspective there's reams of information to support that from a present day perspective at least the government has admitted that there is still a unknown presence of some kind albeit a small percentage of the cases they collect but it is still there. But look now, they can keep it all secret, all under that that clamping down. Now they have control over the narrative. So while some portion of the public is very excited, hey, Congress is talking about UAPs in the halls of the of uh, of the Capitol building, and they're 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 saying UFOs in the Pentagon. That's all great. Well, yeah, that's all great, but they control the narrative, right? And they kind of missed that part of the story that now they have control. Take it one step farther in that, that clamping down of secrecy, you can take your top secret platforms, your highly classified technology, hide it all within that and let the public play with what is and isn't truly identified to the US military. So now you're covering up everything and easily, it's all authorized by the security classification guide for UAP in combination with their definition of what UAP is. And so that's also that, that counterintelligence value because you're confusing the heck out of the general public, but in the same respect, confusing the heck out of every other country on the planet on, are those crazy Americans just chasing aliens? Wait a minute, that thing off the coast of wherever that, and, and that was Chinese, a Chinese platform. Did they not know that? And so that's where that confusion or counterintelligence value comes in to where you obfuscate your knowledge to a point where nobody knows what the heck is going on. And the general public goes along with it going, what the heck is going on? And you have warring factions of conversation, one side believing that we're on a side to disclosure, another going, wait a minute, this is all some psyop misinformation game and everything in between. So it's a fascinating aspect to the conversation because now, and this is that speculation, the DOD can utilize that. We know that there are games played with the general public. That's not conspiracy talk. We all know that. The D Department of Defense will deny things on a Monday and then admit to it on a Friday. I mean, we know that. Uh, so, so all of those things history tells us are definitely possible. Now with the UAP conversation, that counterintelligence value is gold because it goes worldwide and creates confusion on such a level, nobody knows what's going on. And, and that's where I think that value truly is.
That's really interesting because I know in my own research and experience working on an AI technology pertaining to like DARPA, Department of Defense, the three topic areas of concern, the AI is designed to detect mis- and disinformation. The three topic areas of concern are climate change, COVID, and military vehicles or military capabilities and the, the, the nature of different vehicles. So it's been interesting to see that I began that research and early, um, sorry, late 2020. And so it's interesting to see now that like UFOs and, and are emerging and becoming more of an item on the media agenda. So I definitely do think, you know, I can speculate that there's something to that speculation myself. Um, but I'm also curious when we're talking about who's manning these unidentified flying objects. That's when you kind of get into the pop culture conversation of aliens and things get even more confusing. So I'm curious how do these documents, how are these agencies approaching the subject of who's manning these vehicles and how can they ensure that they're definitely a, of a UAP nature and not a vehicle from another country or some sort of adversary? Yeah, and, and that's where I had mentioned earlier the definition of UAP and why it's important. And essentially, they say it, it, it is objects that are not initially identified, which can include, let's say, a foreign um, adversary's platform or something like that. It can still get a UAP label. In fact, one thing that I got through FOIA that was UAP related that then ended up on the Navy's reading room. Last I checked, it was still there, but it's admittedly been a little bit. Uh, but regardless, my FOIA request was UAP related. It yielded photographs of what they labeled at one time a UAP, and it was clearly a quadcopter drone. And so my whole point being with that is the label uh, and their definition of it is is uh, incredibly important when dealing with some of these documents because then that throws even more obfuscation in because they could be talking about a quote-unquote UAP, but what if they know that it's a quadcopter drone, they just don't know essentially who's flying it. So is it Russian? Is it Iranian? Is it Bob down in Southern California? I mean, you know, whose is it? Um, that plays a, a very interesting part of this conversation as well. So what are they doing? Well, present day is they're trying to figure out who's flying these things. You know, what, what flag is, is uh, essentially painted on the side of it, uh, to, to, to be figuratively speaking here. So who, whose are they? And we don't know that the answer to that either. With some of their findings, the only thing we do know are the public hearings, the, the two that we've had. And we get a whole lot of I don't knows or, you know, we have no evidence of aliens. They love to go there. But we know that there's a small percentage of cases that they still can't identify. And with that being said, how do you know who's flying them or if they are an AI driven platform created by an intelligence, whether American, Iranian, Chinese, Russian or otherwise, you know, you never know. So I, I wish there was more transparency to, to, to understand what they're doing to try and figure this out. Uh, however, we don't have that. One uh, case in point to prove all that is, is what I mentioned earlier called a security classification guide. And this was written a few years ago and authorized by the U.S. Navy. Now it is a standard on how to classify UAP-related information. And I got this declassified in uh, late 2022. It was a big get. It's kind of boring and dry when it comes to, you know, exciting stuff. 
but a big get nonetheless because it showed how they treated UAP information. The majority of the classification guide was actually redacted. It's considered a highly classified topic. So this guide not only proved it, but also there was a section heading, albeit it was blacked out from top to bottom underneath it, but the heading talked about exploitation of UAP. So what are they exploiting? Are they ex So they're obviously getting something from these phenomena that we don't know. So how are they exploiting it? Are they exploiting it information-wise? Are they exploiting it technologically? Are they capturing something and reverse engineering it and then, and then understanding how it works? We don't really know it. No, but that word exploitation was something that uh, was, was pretty interesting to me. Uh, but to further the point to your question, that all plays a role in how they're figuring out who's, who's driving these things. The sad reality is they don't want us to know. You've reached the end of this episode of the free version of Public's podcast. To access the full version, become a paying subscriber at public.substack.com.